Welcome to the Sages Among Us. What makes a community great? Most importantly, it's the people who live and work there and are engaged in community life. The Sages Among Us focuses on those people, what they do and why they do it, and celebrates the leadership, time, and energy they bring to making a positive difference for all of us. Welcome to Sages Among Us. I'm Lori Burkhart Frank, and I'm very pleased to introduce you to my guest tonight, Elisa Burgett. Burgett, uh, is an undersheriff for Nevada County Sheriff's Office. Alicia was appointed as the undersheriff in 2019, and over the last 20 years, 23 years, she has held positions in patrol, court security bailiff, search and rescue coordinator, detective and major crimes unit, investigator and narcotics unit, jails commander, overseeing all operations at the Wayne Brown Correctional Facility, and much, much more. Alicia, welcome to The Sages Among Us. Thanks, Lori. Thanks for having me. Well, it's really great to have you here. And and on Sages, we really like to find out more about you as a person. And I was just wondering, did you grow up in this community, Alicia? Actually, I, I'm a fifth-generation uh, Nevada County resident. Um, but when I was five, my mom moved us down to San Diego, Uh, So I grew up in San Diego and kind of moved all over. And because I've had family here for so long, I knew when I was going to have kids, I wanted to come back to this community to raise my kids. Uh, I tended to have my kids earlier than I thought. I was a teenage mom and uh, came right back to Nevada County. And that's where I I raised my family. Well, so you became, you had to adult very early in life, but when you were growing up, uh, what kind of activities were you involved in as a child? Um, I played a lot of softball. Um, and growing up in San Diego, a lot of beach activities. Um, I remember I broke my arm when I was five, and my mom just put a trash bag around it, and I would go out into the water, and that's where she knew where I was because my hand was up, and she just had to look for the trash bag, and she knew that that's you know kind of where I was. Um, you know, just growing up with dogs and um, loved uh, loved softball. And one thing that a lot of people don't know about me is when I was in high school, I was a varsity uh, cheerleader. And I got into that because somebody dared me to do it because I'm a true athlete. And then, you know, they said, oh, I dare you to do cheerleading. I said, oh, what's so hard about that? Let me tell you, cheerleading was one of the hardest sports I've really played. And I do call it a sport because it was a lot of time commitment, a lot of injuries, uh, a, a lot of stuff going on. And so when people ask me now, they're like, you were a varsity cheerleader? And I said, yeah, you know what? I was out there. I, I loved everything about it. It was a lot of fun. Well, that is definitely a new little uh, piece of information I, I would not have suspected. So that <laughs> I still is... have my pom-poms. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. Well, who were your role mod- models growing up? Were they the beach kind of folks, the surfers? The uh, who, who did you look up to or want to be like? You know, I came from kind of a little bit different background. I My mom and dad were both teenage parents. So my dad was 18. My mom was 16, had me when she was 17. Uh, so we all kind of grew up together. And we moved down to San Diego. And, you know, my mom, if anybody knows my mom, uh, 
she's short. She's a short little lady. She's real feisty. And uh, she's got a little bit of a mouth on her. So sometimes she would get herself into some trouble. And I remember the cops coming over and, you know, trying to deal with her and my stepdad. And, you know, I remember thinking, oh, man, I feel bad for the cops, you know, having <laughs> to deal with some of this stuff. Um, and in San Diego, they had this thing called patrol. And it was ran by a San Diego uh, police department. And they would have officers come and um, we would do the crossing guards. So we would, uh, under supervision, we had different ranks. So you would go out and we would put the stop sign out to allow the kids to cross. And that's what we did before and after school. And part of it was um, the police department within when you were in sixth grade, they took you to a camp for patrol and all the camp counselors were police officers. And so they would do skits with us. They would take us on hikes. And, and if you did a good job, I had a, um, Gary Thompson. So he was one of the officers and he was always telling me, Alicia, don't fall into the wrong crowd. Keep going to school, keep doing things. And, it, and when you turn 15, you could be selected to come back as a camp counselor which was kind of like the thing you wanted to do. And he checked on me because I ping-ponged around, had kind of a rough childhood growing up with just my family. Um, but he always made sure he reached out to me, and he always brought me back as a camp counselor, but I had to show him my grades. I had to show him that I stayed out of trouble. I had to show him that you know I still got good grades. And then uh, you come back 15, 16, and 17, and then you can't come back after that. But then I was the head counselor. And so he kind of just – he wasn't afraid of my family. He He knew that I was a good kid. And he just kind of just kept saying, you know, do your best. You know, I believe in you. And so that's kind of somebody that even when I graduated the police academy, I called him and told him. And it had been years in between. And I just said, hey, I just want to let you know that I'm actually looking at getting into law enforcement. And I can't imagine that phone call for him. He must have really been touched. Yeah. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i hoping he remembered who I was, right? And he wasn't just like, <laughs> who are you? So, no, it was good. Um, you know, growing up, my parents, they grew weed back when re- weed was a felony. So that type of environment of just that anxiety of, man, I hope the cops come and kind of put an end to the madness. And then I would think, wow, I hope the cops don't come because it is literally chaos in this house, right? A lot of bikers, a lot of, you know, if you ever wonder if bikers really work on their uh, motorcycles in the living room, they do. <laughs> you know, so it was kind of that growing up. And, you know, my mom, tried, my mom tried to shield me from a lot of it. But, you know, as kids, we see everything. So just kind of growing up that way. And, and so I always knew that I wanted to be in law enforcement to reach out and touch kids that were just like me growing up. The but, kids that were kind of like overlooked or, you know, oh, they're they're from that family. You know, we don't associate with them. And, you know, I was a good kid in school. I was on the lunch program. I mean, I got free lunches and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I had goals and ambitions and I, I was pretty savvy of what was going on in my life at the time. Well, you obviously were working as camp counselor. Uh, did you have other early jobs? Yeah, I worked at Burger King and... <laughs> I, to this day, I still go to Burger King. I have my favorite sandwich that I order. Um, yeah, I worked at Burger King. And, oh, my dad used to have me do um, sheetrock. And he made me do the dirty job. I had to sand it, right? So he got to put it up, and then he would leave. And I would go in and have to sand all the sheetrock down. And um, it really teaches you kind of that work ethic of, you know, it's hard work. But, you know, you you need to pay attention to detail. You don't – if you mess up on a sheetrock wall – you got to redo the whole thing. Um, and Burger King was just, it worked around my cheerleading schedule. <laughs> well, you definitely seemed like you had a lot going on with good grades and 
sports and cheerleading and time at the beach with your arm in the out of the water. <laughs> so so it does sound like you were very motivated. Uh, do you have any siblings? I do. I um, I grew up um, an only child, but I actually am the oldest of seven. So I have uh, two half sisters, two half brothers, and then two step brothers. Um, yeah, and. They're all great people. It's just kind of funny because, you know, when you talk about I'm like 15 years difference between my siblings. So I'm almost I was a built in babysitter half the time. Um, But I think as we get older, we get a lot more closer. Yeah. So that's like another job that you had, too, on top of everything. (laughs) It was an unpaid job. (laughs) An unpaid job. But I'm sure that they looked up to you greatly. Well, you are talking, listening to The Sages Among Us on KVMR. I'm Lori Burkhart-Frank, and I'm talking to Alicia Burgett, Undersheriff of Nevada County Sheriff's Office. So you obviously had a start in life where you were looking into getting into law enforcement because of your experiences with the camp and as camp counselor. Um, And I read at the beginning of the show that you have had probably just about every position uh, that you could hold at the sheriff's office. Yeah, you know, I, I never actually made the SWAT team. Um, that, you know, that wasn't kind of my jam. But I always looked up to those that could. It's a hard physical and it's a hard shoot. Um, and I wasn't a hostage negotiator. Um, it wasn't really that big when I was coming up. But, yeah, I was a patrol. I like to work down in the Penn Valley area. That was, we call it beat four. Uh, that was kind of my area that I just really liked. Um, and then uh, I got into a major crimes unit doing homicide, sexual assault. But my passion was really narcotics because that's what I came up in and that's why I got into law enforcement. So um, the office at the time let me transfer over to our narcotics investigations unit. I had a blast over there. But what I realized was I had more job satisfaction as a major crimes unit because those were the tougher sentences. Those were, you know, the the crimes against the children, the crimes against, you know, women. Uh, I worked the Frank Zupan murder case back in 2015 and um, just getting, you know, the relationship you form with the families uh, during that process. Um, and then, you know, search and rescue was fun. They sent me to... Um, Mammoth Lake during the winter, and we had to build a snow cave, and you had to stay in it overnight. Um, I technically didn't make it overnight. My snow cave started collapsing, and so we got out. But, you know, they teach you stuff like avalanche, how to do avalanche rescues, uh, snowshoeing, um, riding a snowmobile, you know, just kind of how to survive, how to find people. Uh, Did a lot of that. Court security was fun. I actually got to experience you know, when you go in and you see the defense attorneys, you're kind of like, man, they, they hate me. They don't. You know, they're doing their job and you kind of get to know them. You get to know the judges. And um, that was a lot of fun. And and then, you know, just started promoting through the years after that. It was, it's amazing how you've done so many of these positions. But you were talking about earlier that like the SWAT, that was um, a tough tough one or uh, but I did in, in doing a little research on you so found that you did get a bronze award uh, hero award for um, one of your early jobs yeah we I responded to a um, it was a domestic violence up, up in North San Juan and the gentleman had the female and he was holding her hostage and we went in my partner and I went in and we were trying to talk to him and um, he he uh, turned his dogs loose on us. And so, you know, at first we were kind of, you know, I'm a dog lover, but you know, some dogs just don't love you back. And, you know, so we had to deal with that and it kind of escalated and we finally got her out of the house. And, um, 
we were trying to negotiate with the suspect and he climbed up on the roof and then he set the house on fire and we're out in the snow. And I remember thinking, I'm never going to, I'm never going to forget this image, right? Like I need him to get off the roof because the house is on fire and I can't get close enough. Um, so we had some other people come out and, uh, we actually wound up hitting him with a bean bag to kind of just knock him off. Um, uh, he, it was like almost sitting, uh, as the roof comes together and he was just kind of straddling it like a horse. And so he, he came off and we got him out and, um, you know, we sustained, um, I singed my bangs, like my, you know, I just looked terrible and, you know, we all had smoke inhalation. And, um, then he asked me to ride in the ambulance with him. And so I rode with him. And so we, we got a bronze medal for, um, bravery during an incident. Absolutely. So, I mean, that, again, this is something that it just shifts my perspective sometimes because, it sounds like he was the perpetrator of the crime, but in the end, he also needed assistance. Yeah. Yeah. He had some, he had some mental health issues and, you know, I did feel bad for him, especially, you know, I held his hand in the ambulance and, you know, it, it was just kind of seeing him in a different perspective and, you know, never really got to talk to him to kind of ask him like, why, you know, what happened, what, what prompted it. Um, And I never did go back and talk to the victim, which, you know, sometimes, especially being in law enforcement, that's one of the hard things is you don't, you sometimes get a connection, but sometimes you don't get that connection where you can kind of go back and ask how people are doing or how they're recovering. Either they don't want it or sometimes mentally you're just not at the capacity to, you know, continue that relationship. Well, but it does sound like you've affected a lot of people very positively. And again, they may or may not realize what the benefit that they had at that time. Yeah. What you hope so. Yeah. Well, one of uh, the burning questions that I have is, and maybe others in the studio have, is that in 2019, you were appointed undersheriff for Nevada County Sheriff's Department. And could you tell us exactly what is an undersheriff? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the undersheriff role is the one who's kind of in charge of the agency, meaning I supervise the operations division and all things under operations. I supervise the jail, all things under that. So the captains report to me, um, and as well as administration and our finance unit. So I had to really figure out how to do budgeting, right? Our our chief fiscal officer would come in and he'd say, okay, we're going to sit down and we're going to go over budget. And I said, oh, they didn't teach this in the police academy. Like I, I, my eyes would glaze over. I really had to tell him, you can only come in and talk to me for a couple minutes at a time and you need to give me a break. <laughs> um, so it, it, um, it's, it's that it's, it's handling discipline. Um, it's reviewing backgrounds for hire. Um, just making sure that everything is running smoothly for the sheriff. The sheriff's job is to really connect with the community and make sure that there's that connection between the community and her office. Um, and then my job is to carry out her vision and her plans and then hold people accountable, uh, who maybe are not in line with the vision and plans. Um, so all citizen complaints come to me. Um, I usually review them. And, and hand them off to an investigator to investigate. Um, and then all IAs are assigned to me and IAs and internal affairs. So um, none of the cool cop work that I used to do. Now I just kind of sit and, you know, do budget. But only a couple minutes at a time. Only a couple minutes at a time. I, 
my chief, my, my chief fiscal officer is very patient with me and he has to like explain things in like a weird term, you know, because I said, I want to understand, like, this is how I do my budget at the house. And he's like, that's not how government works is, you know, you got to do it this way. And you know, why is it taking so long? I don't understand this. Um, but it's a big budget. I think we're at like $44.6 million this year. That's a lot of money. Yeah. I know it's, it's, uh, so, uh, that that your department is very accountable for every dollar that goes in and uh, every dollar. You mentioned that our sheriff is a woman, Sheriff Shannon Moon, yes. and you're a woman as an under sheriff. Is this the first time in California history that we've had both a female sheriff and a female under sheriff? I mean, I'm not, I'm not a historian, but I I believe it is. Um, and in fact. Uh, I did hear that we may be the only one in the entire United States, but I, I'm not quite sure. So if anybody out there is, you know, really wanting to, you know, clue me in on that, that'd be great. But yeah, definitely in California, we are the only uh, two female uh, sheriff and under sheriff. That's pretty amazing. And I do always love in our community, it seems like we're the first in so many areas. Yeah. You know, it's funny because... Uh, when I got my undersheriff, I gave a speech and I talked about how I was number two and everything because Shannon has always been number one. So she was the first uh, or sergeant and then I was the second ser female sergeant and then she was the first female lieutenant and I was the second female lieutenant and she was the first, you know, you know she kind of get that. And then I'm the number two in the department. And so when I gave my speech, I said, you know, I I've had two marriages. I have two kids. I have two dogs. I have two cars. You know, like two is my number. Uh, but yeah, it's it's been fun chasing Shannon throughout my whole career. <laughs> She's been a really good inspiration. Well, I have heard you talk about women in law enforcement before. And do you feel that women and men approach the job in the same way? No. Um, I think we each bring our own uh, individual reasons and backgrounds to why we do what we do. Um, I can't say that I find that all women in law enforcement that I've encountered um, do it for the same reasons that I do, uh, but majority do. Um, everybody has kind of their own story, um, whether their family was in law enforcement or like my family, I would arrest my family. And that, that's kind of how it, it, it came about. Um, but everybody has their own, their own reasons. And then everyone has their own way of handling being in law enforcement. Um, I, I tend to want to talk to people. I don't need to write, come in and, you know, kind of show my authority. I recognize that sometimes when I was in North San Juan, my backup was like 30, 45 minutes away. And I need to learn how to talk to people and really kind of convince them, you know, like this is kind of the way it should be. And, um, you know, I feel like women aren't afraid to be vulnerable either. Um, and, you know, kind of say, hey, you know, this is kind of the why. Um, but what I am noticing is that there's a lot of great men out there, too, in law enforcement that also really understand the importance of talking to people and kind of explaining, you know, everything has it. Every situation is different. There's times where there's not time to really explain a whole lot. Um, like the incident out in North San Juan where I got, you know, I couldn't really rationalize or talk to him until after the scene. Um, but I, I feel like. I like the way law enforcement is moving as far as the training, the accountability, um, the background checks, and why people are in law enforcement. It, it's a job that really, really takes its toll. I know that you understand that as well as anybody. Um, so you have to really want to do this job to do it for 20 to 30 years. Do you ever wonder what it would be like to have picked a different career? 
Yeah, actually, my mom showed me this book that I did in first grade, and it said, when I grow up, I want to be a cashier at Safeway, because my aunt was a cashier at Safeway, and and that was back before they had the scanners, and so she would just, her fingers would be just chick, 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 you know, I thought it was the coolest thing, and to this day, I would probably honestly want to go be a cashier. I love to scan my own stuff, but then I always mess something up and then I get mad because somebody has to come over and bail me out. And I think, oh, there's no way I could be a cashier. (laughs) Uh, That is the first time I've heard that. That's great. (laughs) So you mentioned that some positive changes like with training and what other positive changes have you seen over your 23 years in law enforcement? You know, when, when body-worn cameras were first kind of being talked about, every everyone was kind of like, ugh, you know, that's just going to ruin the job. Um, and what we actually found was, especially at my level, is when somebody perceives that an incident went down a certain way and then you have the video and audio to kind of remind them how it actually went down – Um, It changes people's perspective. I think it changes how people interact with law enforcement, and it for sure changes how law enforcement interacts with the community. Um, When you're being recorded, I don't care who you are, you tend to, you know, you tend to kind of walk that line. You're understanding that, um, you know, people have a different perspective. And just but just because you have it doesn't mean that's that's really how things happen. Cause you can look at a video from one perspective and look at a video from another perspective and you see two different things going on with the same incident. Um, I do like the accountability that's happening. The, the training opportunities are a lot better. They're understanding that if you have a high standard for law enforcement, you should offer the high standard of training and make sure that they're trained um, and they're well-equipped to do the job that you expect them to do. Uh, we are moving into a lot of um, employee officer wellness, which I think is great. Um, Much like uh, the veterans, um, they're really understanding that PTSD is real. And, you know, a lot of vets, I'm from a veteran family. I was in the Air Force myself. My husband's a Marine. Um, You can imagine the talks that we have and the competition that we have back and forth. But, um, you know, it used to bother me that uh, a veteran would say, they would uh, go AWOL or do something that would get them dishonorably discharged, and then they don't have any benefits. But when you tied it back to the fact that they actually were suffering from PTSD, you know, so now there's this big push to kind of understand that bridge, and I think they're doing the same for law enforcement, and I, it's really nice to see. Well, you're listening to The Sages Among Us on KVMR. I'm Lori Burkhart-Frank, and I'm talking to Alicia Burgett, Undersheriff for Nevada County Sheriff's Office. So those are some of the good things that are happening over your last 23 years. What are some challenges that um, you've seen maybe get worse or come up in the last 23 years? I think one of the biggest challenges for us is legislators will make laws and pass laws And they do it for what they feel is the right reason. But when you pass a law and you don't bring in the entity that's going to enforce that law, you you have that communication gap. And so, you know, there's a lot of laws that have been passed for whatever reason. And then it's like, and it has to be done, you know, by January 1st on this day. And it's a mandate and everybody has to get in line. And then law enforcement scrambles to try and make sure that they're meeting the legislative requirements and they're, that they're understanding um, all the guidelines, all the 
you know, insinuations of what is really meant behind it. And so we struggle with making sure that we hit timelines and that we're doing exactly what, you know, the law says. And then sometimes the law that's passed is actually conflicting with the current law and nobody actually put those two together. Um, so that that tends to be really frustrating for us. We try our best and then sometimes we stumble, right? And then people are like, oh, you're just not doing it right. And we're like, yeah, I wish I could do it better. I, I wish the you know assembly uh, people in the Congress would really kind of ask us questions and just kind of bring us into the group and say, hey, what do you think? Um, it's always good to have that one person that says, this is great. Have you thought about this? Or, you know what, that might not work. Let's go this direction. Or even having a conversation of why do you want to change and let me tell you how that might have a ripple effect in the community. And I, I think sometimes the community gets frustrated because they're like, why are we doing things like this? And it's like, well, you voted on it. You voted on a law that passed and here's the, kind of the repercussions of it. So it's just kind of really important to kind of have that good community uh, conversation to say like, you know, what everybody's needs and wants are and why and how can we work together? Well, that's my next question basically is as community members, what can we or what should we be doing to keep our community safe? Um, the biggest thing that I think people don't understand um, is if you live in a neighborhood, right, and you see a car in your neighbor's driveway that has never been there and you don't recognize, and we drive by and we see the same car, we don't know that that car is not supposed to be there. So we need the community to tell us, hey, this seems weird. You want to check it out. Um, it's just about the community. It's if you see something, say something, report it. You can call in and be anonymous. You can just say, hey, this is kind of what I have. Uh, we have no problem going out, looking at things, trying to figure out what's going on. Um, so be the first step you can do is just really call our regional dispatch center, report something, talk to a deputy, talk to an animal control officer, um, and just kind of figure out, you know, hey, this doesn't seem right. Can you take a look at it and, you know, report it? And at least there's documentation if something happens. But as a patrol, I remember people saying, well, you just drove by that house and you didn't even. And I said, oh, I don't live here. How do I know whose car that is? But if you called me, I could, you know, say, hey, what is this car doing here? Um, and that was just something I always remembered on patrol. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense that we speak up. Um, yeah. And so we speak up to the sheriff's office, but also should we be doing something more to um, to support our, our, our law enforcement officers? Yeah, of course. You know, we, we do feel the support in this community. Um, it, it is a great community. Um, we laugh and joke because we get laterals that come from other communities and our FTOs, our field training officers, will will kind of have a challenge and they'll say, hey, if if uh, if if we drive through this whole shift and uh, nobody flips us off, uh, you know, you owe me lunch. And But if somebody does flip us off, I owe you lunch. And it's kind of funny because the other laterals that come in are really surprised that, you know, everyone gives you the five finger wave, you know, it's kind of like, Hey, um, but you know, uh, Sheriff Moon has actually uh, started a citizens Academy for the sheriff's office and it focuses just on uh, sheriff's operations. And so we have presenters that talk about our public administrator. They go to our evidence. Uh, they can, you know, look at our evidence unit. I don't know if they are offering how you can, you know, uh, do some fingerprint stuff. Um, but it, it's a course, um, a Nika Hagedorn uh, runs it, and we've had two academies so far. 
and it's just a great way to interact. Um, and, you know, we really couldn't do our jobs without our volunteers. So we have search and rescue volunteers, and then we have our regular volunteers that help serve uh, paperwork. They do traffic control for us. They do vacation rental checks. Um, and so if you really want to get involved and kind of see what we're all about, um, come put in an application and become a volunteer. It's, so it's a great interaction. Do we need to go to the sheriff's office at the Root Center, or can we go online or phone call? Both. Uh, anything. All three. Uh, come on in and see us. Maybe we can give you a tour, meet our staff. Uh, we do have a really uh, good uh, web page that you could look at, um, or you can call and we can send an application. Well, we're coming to the end of the our interview. There's so much more I'd love to talk to you about, but one of the things I always like to ask our guests is if you did have that power to wave a magic wand and improve something in our community or create something that would be helpful, what would that be, problem to solve or something that we need created? I mean, obviously, you know, you you say, hey, uh, just world peace, like, let's end um, homelessness and hunger. But if you really wanted to have something that um, is applicable and that we can honestly do, I would say let's get away from the us, us and them. Um, we're all a community. And what I find that's really important and really kind of helps bring people together is start the conversation and really kind of get into what do you have in common instead of what are our differences what do we have in common? I like tacos. Do you like tacos? Um, I have kids. They were in sports. You know, what, what are kind of your stories? I'm Irish. Then I turn, you know, turns out I'm a little bit more Scottish, you know, like those kind of things. Um, that's what brings a community together. That's what helps people see other people for people and not just somebody in uniform or somebody struggling with addiction or somebody struggling with mental health. It really kind of connects those people. And, and I think that's what the community needs a little bit more of is, commonality and not, you know, that divisiveness. Well, thank you so much. We've been talking tonight to Alicia Burgett, under sheriff for the Nevada County Sheriff's Office. And we want to thank you, Alicia, for uh, being here tonight and for joining us. Uh, the purpose of this program, The Sages Among Us, is to inspire and invite people to participate in the betterment of our community. Discover how you can make a difference by tuning in Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Next Wednesday, Keith Porter will interview Antonio A. Starin, local chef and caterer. You've been listening to Sages Among Us on KVMR. I'm Lori Burkhart-Frank, and thanks for joining us, and thanks for everything you do to make our community great.